When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is an advertisement from Better Help Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flatter to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to, welcome to your latest Wolves Fancast match preview. I'm your host, Little Dan. You can find me at Sherpa Van Dan on Twitter. On tonight's episode, I've got with me Gully at Molyneux Musings and uh, Deji Spurs. Uh, join us, give the uh, opposition insight on Saturday's uh, away fixture to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, just going to quickly just look back on the um, the last weekend's uh, fixtures uh, with Gully and uh, Deji for a few seconds. Uh, Wolves succumbed to a really disappointing 2 0 defeat at home to uh, Brentford, and Tottenham ran out with a late, uh, late winner at home to uh, Brighton in the 2 1. Result goalie looking at that 2 0 last weekend, disappointing or, or disappointing all round. Gary O'Neill said pretty much if he could have dreamt how it all could have gone wrong, that's pretty much how it would have uh, played out. What's your, 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 your feelings on that defeat now, looking back on it after a few days? Yeah, it was a bit of a damp squib of an affair, wasn't it? Having had the highs of beating Chelsea the weekend before, um, I think. When you've played Brentford as often as we have in such a short space of time, I mean, it's four games in about seven, eight weeks. Um, by the time you get round to playing the fourth game, and we've been the better side over the other three, right? I think that's pretty unanimous in terms of the the overall way the games have gone. There's, you know, what can we do other than kind of keep doing what we were doing? Whereas they've got, especially with the addition of Tony back in the fold as well. They, they had more room for improvement and they probably altered their plans more than we could have accounted for, maybe. I, I don't know. It's just a bit of a, a, a unique situation where they kind of finally got around to figuring out how to beat us and, and they did it. The most disappointing thing for me is just going 1-0 down to a set piece, having been so good from defending set pieces all season. And then, I mean, prior to that, we obviously had the Cunha injury, but that just kind of really kicks us in the teeth. And then... You, 
the the confidence in the ground just drained. I think that I think we knew we were in, in for a tough game then with them sitting back and um, pulling out all the tricks in the book to to make sure they got the win. Yeah, massively disappointed. You've sort of prompted me there. I hadn't realised basically they're three games in a row now we've conceded from a set piece after going the majority of the season really well drilled in that area. Uh, Deji, 2-1 win at home to Brighton last weekend. Um, resilience to go all the way to the end with the late winner. Um, Min Son being back for you, for you was a massive bonus. What's your feelings going into the game on Sunday, uh, Saturday at home to Wolves? You know, big up, you know, um, yeah, for me, you know, what I, I'm loving from Tottenham is that, you know, we're, we're taking it over the line. And they say the mark of a good team is a, that they never say die attitude. Almost, we, we remember the good old Manchester United team and Fergie time. And I have to say, we got a little bit of that in this Spurs squad. You know, we are going to play until the fat lady sings, mate. We're going to play until the final whistle. And to get the result against a really good Brighton team was a marker of, what we could do but more importantly it was the first time this season since the Chelsea game that we had our full 11 and as long as we can keep our strongest 11 fit I have to say mate it's long for every single team and when we went against you the thing that kind of upset me the most is we experimented and played Eric Dyer at centre-back and it was an absolute royal disaster I can't wait to play Wolves this weekend. We are going to tear you guys up with our first 11. Do you know what I mean? We are going to break your bones. We, in fact, we're going to make yours. We're going to make you all vegan, to be honest with you, you Wolves. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think we're going to tear you guys up. And, I, and I'm looking forward to it. Only because that, that result kind of hurt me. To be fair, the Brighton game and the Wolves game are the two games that I think Spurs have been poor this season where we deserve to lose. Other than that, I think we've been the better team. But I think... We're going to get our revenge this weekend, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you just brought it up. Dead, you so I might as well show the, the, the Sarabia goal um, with a bit of animation from that game. Obviously, like you said, Eric Dyer was, uh, was you know, statue in that day. Well, well you got to give, you talk about resilience, Deji. We showed resilience that day. You had you were decimated with injuries that day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you that. Um, but Wolves coming back to win that game was was massive for us. It scuppered your your title hopes at the time because you had you were on a really good run. Um my sort of mindset is going into the game on Saturday is that we've over the previous years always given Tottenham a good game at your your place. Um I think we've picked up some good results over the, the period. Even when we lost last season, I think it took like um Harry Kane, wasn't it, off a corner to get you the one nil win in the end. And that was a really poor wall side that you came up against. So Talk about your players. Who's uh, who's who's sort of taking your interest at the moment? I suppose who's really um, performing for you? For, for us, I think there's there's quite a few players. Obviously, you know the, the obvious one, Bakario. He's up there with with Allison this season. What a player! What a goalkeeper! And I think he's part of the reason why, even though we have been decimated with injuries and suspensions this season, we still find ourselves fourth in the league, which is quite mad when you think the amount of players that have been out. Pedro Porro is only second to Trent in terms of assists so far this season. I think the doggy has probably proven himself to be one of the young players of the season, but also somebody named me a, a left back better than your doggy. Okay, he's a couple of mistakes in the last couple of games, but overall, you know, there's a quality player there. And then James Maddis in the number 10. Pape Sars, our unsung hero. We've got people shaking their bums violently for Basmati Rice. At Arsenal, but have you seen Pepe Sarmate and what he's been doing for Spurs? He's absolutely been sourcing, and we had the world class son in our attack. So, yeah, I can't name one. We have a few players 
Um, and uh, I think it's been a good season. And I think Postacoglu has just been a breath of fresh air. Under the dusty football that we were playing with Conte, it's good to see Spurs on the front foot and, and attacking with, with the attacking players that we have. So, it's look, Spurs fans, we are happy. We've overachieved this season. So, whatever happens from here on in, we won't be disappointed because he's already overachieved. Don't throw you under the bus, Gully. You know, um, it seemed like Dej has teed you up quite well there. But can you name a better left back than you, Doggy, this season? See, the irony of that is, I think you, Doggy, has been one of my favourite players to watch this year. I, th- I genuinely think he's, he's unbelievable. Is he 19, 20? Is he? I think. Yeah, he's like 19. Yeah, I think he just seems to be able to contribute in every phase of play. Whenever he holds, gets the ball, he seems to be able to carry it and hold on to it. Um, I know what you're expecting me to say here, Dan, which is kind of Ryan Aitnuri, um is just the most kind of, you know, incredible player to watch for us at the moment. Um, it'd be, a, it, it's an, it, it's tight there, I think, actually. I, I, I think Aitnuri is a bit, it goes under the radar a little bit. Um, the only thing I would say is a dog, he's a better player in the final third uh, than Aitnuri. Aitnuri doesn't, he's not enough of a killer in the final third for me at the moment. Um, he has to build up his game in terms of contributing to assists and goals. Um, so maybe a ducky edges it a little bit on there. But Could he both, be a killer in a better side, will he? I, I, I just think he just tends to lose all composure when he gets into the box and around the penalty area. So I don't think it's necessarily playing for a better team or anything like that. He just seems to... every All of his decision-making up until the final third is brilliant. He's a risk-taker. We know that. Unbelievable on the ball can kind of dribble but past three people in the phone box. He's just ridiculous like that. But, you know, you, you find he wants to take an extra touch in the penalty area or he seems to lack confidence in going for goal. Little things like that, um, which we need to try and coach into his game a little bit. Um, so, I mean, that's the next step. Otherwise, he's a 60, 70 million pound full back, wing back, left midfielder, right? Yeah. Obviously, the huge news that came out after the Brentford game and uh, throughout this week was the um, injury uh, confirmation from Gary O'Neill that Mateus Cunha is expected to be out. Well, he said time frame of unknown, but sort of rumoured talks of four to six weeks have come out on social media over the last sort of 24 hours. Uh, massive, massive, massive blow for Wolves. That he's literally the fulcrum of our side at the moment, isn't he, Gully? He's our best player. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever about that. People talk about Pedro Neto and the likelihood of him moving on. Potentially, I've read to Spurs as well. They're, they're holding interest at, um, in the summer. Um, but Cunha makes everything tick. We've shown we can play without Neto. We've shown we can play without Huang. Um, we haven't had to deal with Cunha being missing so far this season. I did the numbers and he's he's been available for 91% of the season so far. You know, and those minutes are just kind of being brought off towards the end of a game if he has missed any. Um, he started every single game this season otherwise. So it's going to be interesting how we approach the game because I don't know if we can go with the same kind of uh, plan, basically, with it, without him. Let's have a look at the plan. Uh, you can see the lo- likely lineups there on the screen. Uh, going for a back five of uh, eight Nori left back, Totti, Dawson, Kilman, and Samado. Uh, midfield two of Lamina and Jao Gomez with a front three of uh, Huang hopefully playing central with Bellegarde and Neto on the wings. So open for debate. Uh, let us know your feelings in in the comments section. Uh, Deji, you, you yeah. mentioned your 11 to me before the game. Uh, Pedro Porro, obviously one of the 
most outstanding players in the last sort of 18 months in the, in the Premier League, a fancy Premier League um, must-have for me. I mean, Mickey van der Ven's obviously getting better game by game. Yeah. Romero's still a bit of a loose cannon, but he's a, he's a central defender that most teams would be happy to have. And you've already yeah. mentioned New Doggy. Uh, midfield two, Basuma and Saar, and then just the fantastic four in front of that. James Madison, Kulisevsky, Richarlison, Young Minson. Uh, you've already mentioned how well you're playing. You're expecting that 11 to absolutely tear us apart on Saturday. Yeah, look, I think, you know, as Gully said just now, and, you know, I think Cunha's been a stand-up player. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, he he's a big game player. He's almost, I almost say akin to what Rafinha was like for Leeds. And it's not just because he's Brazilian, but I feel like he carries a presence where you, 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 you're shit scared. And he's part of the reason why, even though Spurs were hanging on the line, you could just see that Gary O'Neill, just, there's this kind of confidence that you can get back in the game, and some of the results you've been you've been getting, especially the Chelsea game, I was I wasn't surprised because him and and, and Pedro Neto, both of them on the pitch, is a bit like you know you you can have you know, and this is not I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but sometimes you just you can have two players that can carry a team and take it over the line. And when I see Cunha and Pedro Neto, I think it's going to be long for everybody. Just like if you come up against Palace and you're playing Eze and Elise, you know it's going to be a long day. They just they, they just come as a as a pair. And I know Cunha's been doing it without Neto, but him not being in your midfield, driving through the middle, dribbling like he does all the way to the byline and you know, and then creating chaos, I think is going to be a big miss for you. Uh, as for us, Basuma, Saar and Madis was the three-man midfield that we had when we were top of the league, to be honest with you, I'm not going to lie, where we were unbeaten and we haven't had an opportunity to do that. And I think Benton Core was rushed back from injury. He hasn't really come back up to speed. He's he's helped us out whilst these guys were off on AFCON duties. But I think it's time for Benton Core to sit down and, and charge up for this the kind of uh, business end of the season. So I see that free starting and, and every time they've started, we ain't lost the game. Uh, and then the front three, Richarlison wasn't scoring um, once upon a time. And now he's banging in goals. He's hit double figures with Son back. I mean, yeah, it's a disaster, to be honest with you, Kulisevsky. The only thing is, Dan, like I said to you before, is there's a question mark over Porro and your doggy. If Pedro Porro and your doggy play, mate, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. You're looking at 3 nil, to be honest, at our gaff, um, to be honest with you. Because, yeah, I, you just won't be able to cope. But if Pedro Porro is injured, then it looks like Emerson Royale will have to cover him. And if your doggy's injured because they didn't train today, that means we'll be playing Ben Davis. Now, if that happens, I'd be shit scared because Neto up against Ben Davis is, is a disaster. But Neto against your doggy, I'm sorry, but Neto ain't going anywhere, mate. He's not going anywhere. He's going to, you know, I mean, your doggy's put Salah in his pocket, he's put Saka in his pocket. And he's going to put Neto in his pocket, unfortunately. I, I think that's the interesting thing for me. I would be surprised if Neto played on the right because of that. And obviously Van der Ven being on that left side as the centre-half pairing as well. I think Neto, if he... I'd, I'd, be, surpri I'd be surprised if O'Neill doesn't flip it around and play him towards the left-hand side and, and have him in that channel um, as mm. opposed to on the right because of exactly that reason. Um, yeah. He'd like to get a bit more joy down there. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah. mention to you off air, Gully. Um, is there a possible? I mean, there's, there's an option for me of Wolves going for a five-three-two and having having Neto and Huang coming up against that that back line because as as good as Tottenham are, 
and as quick as Mickey Van der Ven is, if this this back four gets high up on high up the touchline, Neto and Huang running those channels, getting in behind, that's a, a good option for Wolves to have. It is, it is, and I think you know you, you tend to find Porro and the doggy come quite narrow, especially when they build up, um, so they can overload. And we having a two-man midfield like we do that can easily get kind of overwhelmed if you don't have an extra body in there somewhere. Um, it's just not the way we've played right up, to, up until now. So I think, like I said, if we need an alternative plan without Cunha, maybe that's the option. Maybe. I just think the type of midfielders that we have, they're all kind of deeper sitting midfielders. We need we need someone to go up and, and link up with Neto and Huang. Valgaard's the one if... He's going to, if anyone is going to do it, but he's not tended to play him in the central midfield this season, has he? So uh, it's a it's an interesting point to kind of be the Wolves manager, I think, because um, we're, we're going to have a period without Cunha, right? So you might as well go back to the drawing board a little bit and see see what might work um, and come up with a better plan. Yeah. I mean, I'm being overzealous there, thinking that Wang's going to start on Saturday. Um, obviously, he's just recently come back from the Asia Cup. Um, didn't didn't feature in the matchday squad at home to Brentford due to a, a little bit of a calf strain. Where are Tottenham's current weaknesses, Deju? I'm not being funny. Our weaknesses. Yeah, we're fourth in the league, but you've got to remember, Dan, that we had half our half our starting like half, pretty much half of our squad was missing for half the season. You know, we had no Romero, we had no Van de Ven, we had no Madison, we had no Basuma, we had no Pape Sar. Yeah, we've had no Son for a bit. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, any team that's had those that kind of quality out, you shouldn't even be in the top four. You should be languishing around eighth or ninth. We're in the top four. We've been able to manage. We've been playing Emerson Royale and Ben Davis centre-back. We did that pretty much against you guys and we got absolutely slapped up. So... Tottenham's first eleven is as good as Man City and as good as Liverpool. And I know it's probably the first time you've heard that said on this channel, but you've heard it air live and direct and you can clip it. Toe-to-toe, we can go toe-to-toe with, with Man City, we can go toe-to-toe with Liverpool. Uh, I, there is no weakness in our first eleven. The weakness comes, though, with the high-line system of Spurs, and sometimes we can drop off. And actually, where Spurs lose and where we lost the game against you, if you remember... Is when Postacoglu just has this thing where he wants to make five subs. I'm like, let him just keep running. He brought on Brian Gill and he brought on some other fella. I think it was Skippy. And then you guys bloody scored two goals in 90 minutes. And he's done that. He did the same move against Everton two weeks ago and we bloody drew the game. Just leave it, Postacoglu. Stop bringing it. So, where Spurs could, where our weaknesses is in the subs. It's in the substitutes and who he decides to bring on. But if our first, if that eleven plays, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing, there's nothing. There's nothing most any team can do with that with that first eleven. You're fully invested in Andrew Ball, aren't you? Mate, I love it, mate. I, I think for me, the proof is always in the pudding. And if you see the way that we've played, we went to the Emirates after getting slapped up with 15% possession last season, and we had more ball possession than Arsenal at their gap. We managed to get a draw at the Etihad with Ben Davis, Emerson Royale. Mate, I'm shaking my bum violently for Ange Ball. I love it. And I will continue to shake my bum for it because I think Ange is the real deal. And the fact that Spurs sit fourth, seven points off top, by the way, 
Let's we're saying fourth, but it's seven points is just two wins and a draw, mate. I, I I love it. And now we've got our our strongest eleven, mate. That mate, Sky ain't the limit, mate, with this current Spurs team and this current and our current gaffer. So you saying that you're gonna finish above Arsenal? Yes. There's your clip, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can't knock that you. I, Tottenham this season have been uh, a pleasure to watch by some of the last few seasons. Obviously, Conte ball was just not the Tottenham way that we've come to expect over the, the few years. Um, how concerned are you going into this game without Cunha on Saturday? I think, yeah, naturally, there's a bit more concern. But kind of just touching on the fact that I think we're both clubs that have obviously undergone a bit of a transition and just, just enjoying watching our team play. Yeah. Again, which, you know, there's so much to be said for that, which, you know, I, I think there was obviously a lot of debate about Gary O'Neill coming in, um, what what he would be able to give us that Yuli Lopetegui wasn't going to. And, you know, we might have been sat around this kind of points tally even, you know, with Lopetegui. You know, Spurs yeah. could have been sitting top four under Conte. You, yeah. you know, it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, right? But yeah, true. It, it's it's just good to have a football team that you want to watch. I, Spurs were like guaranteed. I'd want to watch if Spurs once were on TV. I'd want to watch that game. You know, early on in the season, one hundred percent. Because yes. you know that that Chelsea game. Uh, uh, you know, that was one of the most ridiculous games of football I think I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> you know, it's this is what we're here for to kind of. Yeah. You know, experience all that kind of stuff, and you know, even if there are mad penalties and VAR decisions and all that kind of stuff, it kind of took away from the spectacle a little bit. But at the end of the day, the way the two, the way the team set up, uh, you know, encourages football that we want to watch. And yeah. I think we've got a little bit of that now. Not not to the extent that Spurs have got, but you know, we we're working towards something like that. And I just think it's 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 going to be a a good good game to watch, I think, on, yeah. on Saturday, which, you know, everybody should be pleased about, frankly. The one thing I will say, just adding to that, Gully, is I think Gary O'Neill, I, I thought he was unlucky to lose his job. I don't know if he lost his job or he moved to you guys, but I thought it was odd that Bournemouth let him go because he was doing a great job. And to see him literally kind of kick on, I think he, I, I just love him as a manager. And sometimes we talk about, you know, English managers being given an opportunity, but him and Eddie Howe, they proved themselves to be top, top draw managers. And I love the way that you guys play, you know, attacking football, aggressive, you know, pace. Um, and you can see that he's a bit of a tinker man. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he just changes a few things. He, you know, he really studies the game a bit of a tactician. I know I agree with you. I, I love watching Wolves, to be honest, but even more importantly, than just watching Wolves. I, I rate Wolves up there with Brighton. They're two games. I mean, I know I've come with a lot of chess tonight and, and that's because, you know, it's been a while since we've seen our strongest 11. But they're two teams I don't fancy playing on any given Sunday. And Wolves and Brighton, them two teams, you know, it's it's long, it's difficult games and respect to the work he's done and long may it continue, man. And yeah, yeah I, I, but Wolves has always been a tricky team for Spurs. Even under Nuno, for crying out loud. I mean, bloody hell, that's the reason why we bought... I remember looking at Matt Doherty saying, why haven't Spurs got a player like this? And then he came and I realised why we ain't got a player like this. <laughs> this isn't one. Do you know what I mean? So, I don't know. But if anyone is going to get a dodgy result against... It's always a tight... It's always a 1-0. Do 
Always. There's always some sort of one nil. It's never really big score lines, and it will probably be a except one-nil. this weekend. Yeah, this weekend, I just think <laughs> starting lineup. It's just long. Yeah, it will be too much. Matt Doherty is the greatest, sorry, the second greatest system player of all time behind Lionel Messi. But we'll talk about that another time. System player. <laughs> yeah, here um, you go, this guy. I'm never going Messi, Messi what, what's Messi doing since he's flipping left Barcelona? Go like, system Only player. won the World Cup. But, you know. <laughs> system player. There's a question from Danny P, though. Can I answer that? Is that right? Of course, you can go for it. He says, um, would um, Spurs go in for Neto? I love Neto. I think if Tottenham get Neto and Neto, you know, if he can just continue, if he can just replicate what he does for you at Spurs, I think Spurs are in for a title challenge. I, because for me, sometimes Kulisevsky on the right, it's just not, what I don't think what we're looking for. And Brennan Johnson, for me, is just not the one, to be honest. He's a good lad. You know, he's got a good art. But I, he's just not got the kind of end product that I'm looking for. Whereas Neto is a problem. Do you know what I mean? He, he literally, he's, he reminds me of Zaha. You know, Man City, when they play Crystal Palace, they would always used to shake around Zaha. Neto has that presence. You know, anything's going to happen for Wolves because of him. If we get him, I think it's Son left, Neto on the right, Richarlison up front. Yeah, it's, it's, it's over. Yeah. Kulisevsky is a nice technical player to watch, but Neto just brings that something extra, doesn't he? That little bit of zest. Yeah. He's got the je ne sais quoi, as they, the French would say. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> right. Obviously, it's game week 25 of the Premier League, so we're, uh, we've we only got about five minutes left of the show. Uh, Brentford start the weekend at home to Liverpool at 12.30. The three, three o'clock, so Burnley versus Arsenal, Fulham versus Villa, Newcastle versus Bournemouth, uh, Forest versus West Ham, and then Man City versus Chelsea is the 5.30 kickoff on Saturday. I uh, don't know if you're much of a betting guy, Deji, but look at those um, game week 25 fixtures there. Apart from Spurs Wars, because you're so adamant it's a 3 0 on Saturday, where's your money for a banker win on Saturday? Man City, Chelsea. I've got Man City to win 4 0. Look, it's not financial advice. But if anyone's put a cheeky tenner on Man City to win 4 0, mate, you're probably getting five or 600 quid back. So, yeah, about Man City, Chelsea, that Chelsea team is a royal disaster. They are dusty. So, yeah, Man City, Chelsea. It's um, a big week in fantasy Premier League for uh, double game weeks. Man City have got two fixtures at both at home, uh, starting at Chelsea and then Brentford on Tuesday. Like Deji says there, I think Man City are the, are the banker for this uh, this game week. Lump on flipping De Bruyne or Haaland as your captains in this this double game week. Where's your money for this uh, Saturday's fixtures, Gully? Yeah, I mean, Deji probably can't say this, but I think Arsenal away at Burnley feels like a pretty safe bet as well, doesn't it? Burnley just don't seem to have enough of that them to really trouble teams. Uh, I know Liverpool take them a little bit of a scare, but they're going to keep conceding two or three goals every single week. So, you know, if you need to score three or four at the, at the bottom to kind of just to win a game, it's uh, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, I was just on a different preview show, and Vincent Company is massively going under the radar for how poor Burnley are doing this season. I know he's tried to play. A different way of football that we have uh, expected of Burnley, but um, 13 points from 24, um, seven points uh, behind Luton. They've got a game in hand. It's looking long for Burnley and Sheffield United. Um, what is the aspirations, Deji? I know you've mentioned sort of seven points off um, Liverpool, but 
how genuinely far do you think this Spurs side can go this season? Do you know what? I think this this season is a bit of an enigma for me. If you think about it, usually at this stage, it's a two or three horse race. At the moment, there's five teams that's still in it. Like I said, Spurs have got a, their strongest. Select. I think Spurs can finish no lower than... I think we can finish third. I think we can pip Arsenal. I, I expect Spurs to pip Arsenal. Everyone's been shaking their bum violently for Arsenal. They've not really had much injuries to deal with. They're just an in their Saliba out or Gabriel Morales out, and then Arsenal start falling off like the 10 green bottles. So, um, yeah, I think Spurs can finish third, um, but I, I think Champions League football is respectable. And then, you know, you know, and who, who knows if Spurs beat Liverpool and Man City, we could be pushing towards the end of the season, mate. I, I think as, as well. I think Orange is not someone who's going to rest on his laurels, he's not looking for just to finish top four. He's looking to push City and Liverpool as far as we can. So, as long as he does that, then it's all it, look, it's all good anyway. So, we've got nothing to lose. So, it's, uh, it's game on. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've got Liverpool, Man City away, but you've got Arsenal at home. We've got Man City at home and we love to play Man City. It's one team we look forward to playing and we always slap them up. They've not scored at our gaff since we've moved in in the Prem. So, so that's clear. We got to go away to, to Liverpool. That's going to be a dodgy game, but they drew a beating from us at their ground. And then Arsenal need to come to our gaff. And with the way that we performed at theirs, they're in for a royal slapping when they get to uh, the Tottenham Stadium. So we're looking forward to all three games. Look, as long as we have our best eleven, it's, it's, we won't lose. Based on their opening sort of month or so in the Premier League, Gully, are Spurs an outsider for the title? <laughs> I think you can't write them off at this point, can you? Because it's not. It's not. I didn't realise how close it was to, to Liverpool. Yeah, right? that's, like, that's the thing. Picks, especially the two home games against Man City and Arsenal. The only thing you'd say is, I mean, you, you can see all the green lines against Man City's form now. It's that point in the season where they're just kind of steamrolling. Um, so, and even Arsenal, actually. I know they haven't been good up to this point, whether they've, they've started to kickstart a little bit. Um Liverpool, I think, might run out of steam uh, for some reason. I just feel like they're lacking a little bit of something. I know they keep, mm. they've been winning plenty, but uh, it depends what kind of form Salah comes back in when he does. Um, but you're not you're not miles away, are you? So it's actually going to be a quite interesting finish to the season and then Man City, you're going to win it all like they, like, like they always freaking do. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I would have bitten your hand off at the beginning of the season if yeah. you said 24 games in, Spurs are seven points off top. You know, and I thank you, Gully, for your answer because you know people always shut it down. Now it's Spurs, you're not in it. But actually, you know, if we were second, seven points behind uh, Liverpool, you would say Spurs are in it. We're seven points just because we're fourth. And the thing is, I, I we we beat we're one of the only teams to beat Liverpool this season. We drew with Man City, we drew with Arsenal. You know, we lost to Aston Villa, unfortunately, but we had our half our squad out. So, it's I think it's all to play for still. Honestly, I, I really do. I think Man City will, but I I, I don't think this is going to go down the normal narrative. I think it's too easy to say City might just win the league. I think there's more twists and turns. Although, yeah, we could write off a few weeks ago when people were talking about a Aston Villa and look at them there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The wheels have fallen off. Man, Man United are chasing, um, chasing Villa there. We've got to play Villa still this season. You know, we've got oh, the hoodoo yeah. over Villa. So that's points they're dropping. Villa, the, the wheels have fallen off at the Villa. They're so. celebrating Tyrone Mings coming back. So that tells you. <laughs> <what>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Desu just mentioned, you know, you can't you can't write off Spurs. Uh, they've got the picked up good results against Liverpool and, and and Man City this season, but they lost at Molyneux. So hopefully we can get a decent result on Saturday. Because that Mario yeah. Lamina goal was special, wasn't it, Gully? I think he's been really good for you, man, Lamina. Because yeah, Lamina was at um Fulham, wasn't he? Once upon a time, was he at Southampton a bit? Yeah, and you know he's he's one of them players that you he's never really kicked on or, or or kind of reached his full potential, but he seems to be settled at you guys. You know he's he's doing a good job. He's he's quite the player in my opinion. He's, um, he's kind of admitted himself that he was a bit immature earlier in his career, and um, he's got into his own head a little bit. I think and sorted himself out with his mentality, and he's reaped the benefits of it. Um, he's clearly a talented guy. Always has been talented. Yeah. But I think he just knows his game better now and really applies himself in the right way. You said it was special, the game against Spurs, Dan. I actually chose to go and play that day and um, got slapped about by Johnny Craddock's son and his team. Um, so I had a bit of a stinker in Dudley Kings Winford and got back to my phone in the in the changing rooms and I'd seen we won in the last minute and I was like, at least that went well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jay, thank you for uh, giving us your time tonight. Um, I hope thank you have you. a great weekend, apart from the uh, 3 to 5pm uh, period at Tottenham. Mate, and the same to you. Look, let's catch up on the weekend, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Gully, Dan, look, let's do it again over the weekend and have a little match reaction after, if you don't mind. Be Just let everyone know where they can find you, Deji, before you leave. Yeah, uh, Deji Spurs on Insta, Deji Spurs on YouTube. Uh, I I am shameless in my... Um, what I say, but that's just who I am. So, yeah, big up. But thanks for having me, and I enjoyed the show. Have a good no weekend, Deji. Take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you, mate. Well, Gully, we've talked uh, a little bit about the game week, 25 fixtures there. Um, Villa away to Fulham, tough fixture for them. <laughs> Forest at home to West Ham. Forest need to stop picking up points because Nuno is starting to feel the pressure. I think I watched the, the Newcastle game last week. They huffed and puffed. Probably should have had a penalty, in my opinion but they do not look as anywhere near competent as they did last season. Sorry, who are you referring to again? Forest. Sorry. Forest. Um, I never thought they were a good team. Even last year, I never thought they were a good team. I, I actually think that this season, they've got a few more interesting players, players like Alanga, hudson Adoy, who make them a little bit more competent in the final third. Um, but... They've just kind of threw a load of shit at the, the wall in terms of transfers. And some of it's starting to stick a little bit now. Um, just delusions of grandeur from the chairman thinking that they should be finishing what top half is expecting this season. Um, which is phenomenal considering the way they played last season. If you watched them as a team, I mean, I know they had a decent home record, but it never struck me as a, a really kind of competent, confident side that come up from the championship and kind of looked at home that they never looked comfortable to me um obviously they had all those kind of loan signings and stuff to kind of replace from the promotion season but yeah they're just they're just a bit of a hodgepodge of a side and they're kind of scratching enough points to get by at the moment and fortunate probably that there are enough teams that aren't that good in this season i don't think the half the defensive unit that was last season without Felipe at the back. Obviously, Willie Bolly's been away at the AFCON, uh, coming back with, um, with winning the tournament. So he might come back with a bit of confidence. But you mentioned Ilanga there, Gibbs White, um, Hudson Adoy, decent attacking players there. But I feel like just defensively, they're just 
so much weaker than last season. Kilo Navas kept him in a lot of games last season. And look at their goalkeeper situation this season with Matt Turner, and they're just nowhere near it, are they? Honestly, they should. They must be breaking some employment laws with the amount of goalkeepers that they're signing because it's absolutely ridiculous how much they're just kind of binning off summer signing, winter, tra- January transfer windows, and just you know, and yeah, and still Wayne Hennessy can't get a gig. What's that about? Um, but yeah, I, I, everything about the way that club is run just really kind of grinds my gears, to be honest. So I don't like really offering out much praise uh, because it, it just doesn't sit well with me. No, I've, I've still got a lot of adoration for Nuno, but Forrest are the team, apart from maybe Everton, that I want to go down in that bottom three. I think Burnley and Sheffield United and, and pretty much cemented now. It's going to be something mm-hmm. miraculous for either one of those two to get out. But the game that sort of stands out for me, Monday night, 8 o'clock, Everton at home to Crystal Palace. Both need the points. Palace have appointed a new manager today. But Palace are only five points off that, that bottom three. And without Elise and Eze, they, they don't look anywhere near the team that was. I think, was it the Brighton game? Gahey went off injured and Elise, when he came on, obviously went off injured pretty much straight away. I don't know what Eze's situation is at the moment. I know he hasn't been in the team. But him, Elise, Dekure, Gahey are probably their best players. And once you take that many good players out of a mid-table Premier League side, you are in trouble. And they didn't make... They made one, two January signs. Adam Wharton came in, I think, and they, put, they signed a new fullback on yours as well. They don't even know nothing about, it, to be honest. But um, yeah, Everton are the kind of team at home with Dyche. They'll come up with the plan to, to to win that game. I think I, I think that might be a, a safe one to back. Talked about it uh, momentarily while Deji was here, but we need to talk about it a bit more depth. Obviously, Mateus Cunha going to be out for the rumored four to six weeks. Um, I did have a bit of a Twitter back and forth with a few people yesterday talking about our, our lack of recruitment in January. Obviously, we let Fabio Silva and Sasha Kolajic go out on loan. Sasha scored in the Europa Conference League last night. There were murmurings that Fabio and Sasha had become disruptive around the training ground, probably due to lack of minutes, which both of them weren't getting. Fabio, as the time progressed, seemed to be getting worse game by game. I feel like that Sheffield United penalty was probably the final nail in his Wolves career. If, if anything could have went wrong for him, being brought on to win a game for Wolves and giving away a penalty was was damning. We were linked to Brozier, Shay Adams and Yuri Alberto, as well as Danny Ings. Were any of those transfers and the fees that were being discussed an option for you or have Wolves? Is, is it a poor planning situation, poor recruitment? Is it... How do you see that scenario that's unfolding now? The fact that Matthias Cunha's got injured, we haven't really got a backup in in place. Yeah, I mean, there's so many kind of different facets to this, which I don't think everybody kind of considers when it comes down to it. We just see the fact that Cunha's gone down injured um, and we're left short, right? I don't see any of those players as really kind of moving the needle in the absence of Matthias Cunha. If you think about it, and I think that's the bottom line here. Would any of those players started ahead of the front three that we've got in terms of Neto, Wang and Cunha? Probably not. Um, would any of them, if one was absent, improve the team in any way, shape or form? Probably not. Um, I, I understand the need to have a different option in games, like we had at the, at the weekend where we needed to bring on an 18-year-old kid to give us something slightly different. 
but as you mentioned, you know, you've got these personalities mixing, you've got, you know, the fact of the matter is Sasha and Fabio barely played any minutes. So if you're talking about replacing those two players with another player, they're not going to be playing much anyway, right? Um, and if it's, I, I'll, I'll keep using Shay Adams as my example on, on social media. If Shay Adams comes in, starts against Spurs this weekend because Mateus Cunha's out, does the square root of, of F all, um, is it then okay? Is that fine just because we've signed Shay Adams um, and it's it's just a body that's in there? Um, if he's if we need if we're going to bring someone in, it had to move the needle. It had to be a good player that was going to fit the way we want to play. That player wasn't available in January. They might be available in the summer when there's a bit more scope to do a little bit of business. Um, you know, in pending like Euro Championships and all that kind of stuff, and the amount of money we probably get from from sending Pedro Neto, but. I just, I don't, I think fans, they, they we all operate in kind of if, buts and maybes. And it's always if someone gets injured or, or if something happens or if, if we have suspensions and stuff like that. The fact of the matter is, Cunha has barely missed a minute for us this season. If someone saw an injury coming, yeah, fair play to him. But nobody did, did they? Because we've, he's been reliable. Neto and Huang, you can be a little bit more predictive on because they've had injury troubles in the past, maybe. But even then, this season, you know, we've managed to cope without them as well. So, you know, again, it just goes back to the point. If the right player isn't available, just don't do any business. It makes no sense to me, especially when you consider the the fact that you've then got to manage that personality as well, which obviously with Fabio and Sasha wasn't wasn't well handled. So I'm fine with with the situation. Yeah, I, I I I can appreciate everyone wanted a fresh face brought in 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 this window just gone. Uh, everyone wants a new shiny new forward. The number nine is one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, position to um, replace in a, in a summer window. Never mind a January window. Why why are clubs going to want to give up one of their prized assets in a January window? Um, you've got to look into the sort of financial restraints that we've had supposedly from the club. There'll be people who say it's, it's bollocks and Falson can spend X amount if they want to really invest. But January has never been a good time for any team to recruit. There's been yeah. a few teams in the Premier League in, in January that were looking, maybe needed a number nine. I think Arsenal still need a number nine. Man United needed a number nine until Hoyland came into a bit of form. Um, there's, there's so many clubs that are, are in the market for a number nine. But who is actually available in that January transfer window? Um, you've, we've talked about transfer fees. I've, I mentioned uh, Armando Browser there. You look at the loan deal that Fulham have agreed with Chelsea, and for me, Gully, it stinks. Um, guaranteed minutes have to be played, or 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 a fee has to be paid. Um, you've mentioned, but, um, but he's also going home. into a team that where the number nine in well, probably Raul is probably considered there. Premier strikers. I think he scored five as he this season, something like that. So there's there's scope for him to go out and better that, right? So you know it it makes much more sense for him to make that move than to come into a team where Neto, Huang, and Cunha are on fire as well. Um, so then you, you you're actually second in the queue, even if you do want to do that deal. Yeah, I I just, I just found the whole the whole transfer window scenario. Puzzling. There's, there's people saying it's negligence, um, poor planning, poor recruitment. I've, I've mentioned that already. We don't know what the club have been doing in the January transfer window. 
were they under the impression that players were available and deals could be made and that's why they let Fabio and Sasha go? I mentioned earlier, if, if they've become disruptive around the training ground, um, they're not getting the minutes. Fabio needs to move on for his own career because it's become stagnant, hasn't it? Sasha Kalaj yeah. has had a, a torrid time of injuries since joining Wolves. He needs to be playing week in, week out to get, hopefully get back to the form for which we signed him on the back of. Nathan Fraser has been thrown under the bus to a degree. I thought he's done well in the minutes that he's shown so far for, for a lad of his age. He's willing to put himself about. He's direct. He wants to get in the box when we get forward. Um, but you look at the players that we were linked with, Browser Adams, Yuri Alberto, that scenario seems a bit farcical. It seems light in the window that we're looking to get the deal done. Um, you hear the, 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 the conversation that West Ham tried to sign him in the summer and agents scuppered that deal. Danny Ings was another player that was mentioned. Danny Ings is apparently on 125 grand a week at West Ham. Is that the sort of striker that Wolves should be trying to poach in a January transfer window just for him to be a bit part player? It's, it's I, I not good enough either, right? What Wolves fans are expecting in this transfer window. And we know it's all easy to go on Football Manager, go to that top right-hand corner, click approach to sign him. But in the football world today, with the financial restraints... Um, Squad squad places, whatnot. It's just not that easy to bring in a number nine in January transfer window. No, it's not. I, I think going back to the point about you know managing personalities and stuff and players not getting minutes. I know you're a fan as well. Under the cosh, um, the podcast by John Parkin, Chris Brown. That you know, John Parkin has openly spoken about you know if he was in a situation like that, he'd sabotage training sessions. You know, he openly kick up a fuss in order to get a move if he's not playing. You know, there are loads of players out there that are probably going about doing that kind of thing because their careers are short. They can't waste time. Um, so if you've got that going on in the building when everyone else is pulling in the same direction, it's just an absolute millstone around your neck. So getting rid of that kind of culture is as beneficial as bringing in a signing because you know that everybody's pulling in the same direction. And it feels like that at the moment. I mean, it certainly feels like that to me. So that can only breed confidence points, you know, that togetherness that pulls us out of the shit when we need results. We go 1-0 down in a game, you know, Chelsea, we went 1-0 down. What do we do? We pull it back. We didn't quite have the minerals um, and the, 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 the probably the, the personnel against Brentford, which is frustrating. But that, that game's played into their hands. But there will be more times this season I said this, you know, earlier on in the season. There'll be times when we don't pick up points over time when we lose games. This team's not going to let us down in the way we have been in the past. You know, you'll 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 feel at the end of a game that you know what at least you know they've made a good effort and there's been a lot. Uh, you know, there's been a plan and they've tried to you know deliver a result even if we've been unsuccessful. And I think that's you know a hell of a lot to say for that kind of atmosphere around the club. Definitely. You look back to that game on Saturday at home to Brentford. They did a number on us. Um, you know, they, they played all the tricks under under the under the score that they could have done. They scored goals at clinical times, but you know that that Dawson goal gets given. The atmosphere goes shooting towards the South Bank. It, it, it's a whole different game, isn't it? Um, it's just the foot placement, right? As well. That's that's the only difference between us getting back into that game and the potentially going on and winning it. Um, which is, you know, the momentum, momentum would have been with us, knowing the way Brentford have been in recent weeks as well. Um, but I, I think it's also worth kind of pointing out that, you know, the toxicity around some of the comments 
in this discussion on social media is just totally unnecessary as well. You know, it's, it's genuinely a nice time to be a Wolves fan at the moment. So any kind of commentary around the decision-making that the club's making, yes, we're all passionate. Yes, we're all in love with the team at the moment, which is great. You know, just enjoy the ride a little bit. I think we're not, not under any pressure to achieve anything this season. Um, we obviously have played ourselves out of trouble. We're playing good football, you know, a team scoring goals, which we haven't had for so long. You know, literally the only thing that is kind of, you know, bothering me at the moment, am I going to see my team score? Which is a question we had to ask ourselves, you know, for two or three years straight. Yeah, I'm more than likely, okay, it didn't happen at the weekend against Brentford, but I still fancy us to score a goal against Spurs. You know, I know know that the team's got the capability to do all that. So people coming out with toxic shit around comments about the transfer policy and stuff can just get to fuck really it's it's totally unnecessary yeah i, I totally agree with what you said with this team i don't feel like we're ever gonna throw in the towel there's definitely a resilience that they've built and adding a player out of nowhere could easily unsettle that dressing room dynamic that gary o'neill's impressively built you look back to last season that's six nil away at brighton some of the manner of defeats that we had. I think a lot of the, was it 4-2 at home to Leeds? Just like matches like that. It's pitiful. I don't see this team throwing in results like that. Um, there'll be games, like you've mentioned, where we get beat by a technically better side or a team that's maybe run an extra few kilometres more than our rival team on the day. But I really am enjoying watching this team again there. There's a bond that I'm building. I don't feel like there's an ego within any area of the team that we've had previously. As much as like Neves was, um, you know, a marquee player, everything went through Neves at times, didn't it? And that's where we became a bit sort of void for having a, a plan B in, in certain games. I always go back to the game. We had a spell Leicester. with him suspended, didn't we? Um, Leicester away. Leicester away, coming on at half time, having played really well in that first half, conceded a shit penalty. Um, to go in 1-1, but he comes on at half-time and we were just so much worse for it. Um, and he kind of, this player that just kind of had this gravitational pull that meant everything was slowed down, you know, the the number of um, shots from distance increased, you know, the team weren't working the ball better. They're not as mobile in midfield, right? And there was a time and a place for him as a player at Wolves, I think, and I think it's gone, and it's and we're, we're better for it now. So, um, more power to him. He's obviously a legend, absolute legend of the club, and we all love him. Um, but sometimes you have to move on from your legends as well. Yeah, and this is the new cycle that we're within now. We've got to stick with his team, stick with the manager. He's earned our trust now. Um, the, the, the January transfer window, like I said, I'd. I'd love nothing more than Wolves to go and chuck an absolute bucket load of it, finish really high in the league and then then get a massive FFP fine or even get points deductions if we had a good ride on the back of it. But we've got to be sustainable at the end of the day and chucking money we kind, we kind of did have that ride though, right? When you think about us getting yeah. into Europe and stuff, yeah. all that was you off the back of the in the end. It was heavy financing that, that got us to that stage, right? Um, but I, I think... There's something to be enjoyed about being smart with our recruitment, you know, unearthing gems from from unknown leagues. You know, who knows, you know, what kind of player Enzo Gonzalez is going to turn into one day. You know, these little things, you know, there's something to get behind as well. You know, promoting our academy players, uh, you know, to Wanda Chirera, we might have a few more minutes 
Um, coming forward, obviously, Nathan Fraser is going to get involved, especially when we're, if we're going to be chasing games. Um, so, you know, get behind that sort of stuff. Like I said, the pressure's off now this season. We don't need to worry about it. Definitely. I mentioned on our, on Twitter yesterday that, you know, you, we've got to trust Matt Hobbs. He's brought in some decent players in the last um, in the last windows. Um, we've brought in players like, you know, Tommy Doyle. I think Belgard could still be an outstanding player. I think the only thing that's going to scupper Belgard at the moment is he's getting a good run of games in. But with Cunha being injured, this is his chance to, to try and cement a place. Pablo Sarabia is still performing really well. But for, for being the highest owner of the club, I expect him to be good. Um, it's going to be a tough game on Saturday. Tottenham are in, are in good form. They're really, you look at the players. Um, Deji didn't even have Brennan Johnson in his starting 11, which was a positive for me because he scored three, uh, uh, four in, in his last three games. He scored three goals in his last four games against Wolves, Brennan Johnson. So um, I was glad that he, didn't, he wasn't starting Deji's uh, starting off. Young Min Sun's still got a really bad record, which I hope we can carry on scuppering with. I think yep. he's got like eight or nine games without scoring against us. So yeah, I don't know what the hype is about him, to be honest. Yeah, what, who's he? What kind of player is he? Um, but Richarlison obviously has got has got a good record against us, hasn't he, over the years, especially Everton. Yeah. And he's on fire at the moment. I think Madison um, usually when, plays well against us as well. When... Um, you look at the team that they fielded at Molyneux, it is a far cry from what they're going to be starting um, this weekend. So, yeah, maybe we caught them on a bad day because of that, which is fine. They decided to shit the bed against Chelsea, get suspensions and injuries and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we, we capitalised. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be more than happy with the draw, frankly, the weekend. Yeah. I'm going with an optimistic 0-0 draw on Saturday. I don't, have we had a 0-0 draw in the Premier League this season? Brighton. Brighton away. I mean, that was a tough game. We had the game plan executed pretty well on that day. We had chances to win that game. Um, Tottenham are going to come out of us, against us. Uh, got some good attacking players, but hopefully we can scupper them on Saturday. So, me and Gully want to thank you all for joining us tonight on the Wolves Fancast in association with Audi, Shoot Music and the Boston Coffee Company. We're going to end the show with um, a band called Cold Years. They've got a latest single called Roll, which is out now uh, from their forthcoming album, A Different Life. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back on Sunday with a Wolves review show, hopefully with a good result away at Tottenham. Have a good weekend. Take care of yourself. See you guys.